Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the Small Called Articles, looking at Article 3.4 on the Gospel. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to this kingdom since 1960. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. I literally almost just said your name right there, Adam, because I was looking at you. <laughs> you only wish you could be me, Jason. I do. It's oh, a dream. Oh man, why did you? Why was it such a groan there, Brett? <laughs> like he doesn't want to be me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Brett knows better. Yeah. Yeah. Brett knows best. <laughs> Bo knows. Bo knows. <laughs> Bo knows. <laughs> How did I miss that? It's like on a T. <laughs> oh. Bo knows identity crisis. Uh, that's right. Yes. Oh, Good man. stuff. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to pick up our conversation on the gospel as we continue to walk through the small called articles. We're in uh, part three, article four. And uh, in this article, I mean, we've talked last time about how it was so short, but very filled with a lot of really good topics to talk about. And um, so today we're going to walk through the last, uh, they list uh, five, no, five, five, five things. And uh, we're going to cover the last two here. We talked about uh, the spoken word in the gospel, baptism, Lord's Supper, um, the sacraments, uh, but today uh, looking at the power of the keys, and then also the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. Good stuff. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. Do you want yep. to read the article just because it's so short? Get us yeah con- yep. context. I'll do that. All right. So it's so the gospel. It says we shall now return to the gospel, which offers counsel and help against sin in more than one way. For God is surpassing rich in His grace, first through the spoken word by which the forgiveness of sin, the peculiar function of the gospel, is preached to the whole world. Second, through baptism. Third, through the holy sacrament of the altar. Fourth, through the power of the keys. And finally, through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered, etc., 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 etc. The King and I. Well, if there's a, if there's no more uh, yes. perfect heading for the gospel, it really is the King and I. Youth pastor voice. Uh, Hmm. That's like the summer movie series, sermon series yeah. that is cringe-worthy. Oh, all youth yeah. pastor voice yeah. memes. Are... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. All right, well, let's... Wow. <laughs> uh, so this talking... is riveting. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we have a couple of <laughs> topics before us. That I'm really excited about the second... I mean, I'm excited about the first one, too, but uh, excited to talk about the mutual consolation and con- conversation and consolation... Of the brethren. So, in short, Brett hates absolution, but he likes fellowship. <laughs> That's about right. That's the yeah. good takeaway. Moral of the story. All right. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave I just had that. a '90s song uh, pop into my head, and really? I won't sing it because we're yeah we're being recorded. You could say uh, it. No, though. I can't. Yeah. It's just not okay. All right. Got it, Brett. Uh, well, all right. So pretend that I don't like absolution. Uh, the power of the keys. That's too Catholic. Okay, convince yeah. me about it, yeah. So the difference between the power of the keys and the spoken word is really just the more specific intent. That, that God's word, as it declares the gospel, is performative on us. And so, like, 
just reading scripture is good for you because you hear the gospel. But the power of the keys is the power to bind and loose sin based on the preached and applied gospel in the absolution, confession and absolution. And uh, on, a, on a general sense, mm-hmm. it is identical to the preaching of the word because the preaching of the law binds sin and the preaching of the gospel looses sure. uh, God's forgiveness or applies God's forgiveness. But in the power of the keys, Luther took that notion and he put that key directly into a pastor's hand or, or any Christian, but really a pastor's hand to hear confession from an individual uh, repentant sinner and to put the words of the gospel from the pastor's mouth into mm-hmm. the ears of that sinner. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, can you give us, I mean, names have been changed to protect yeah. the, yeah. can you give us an example of, uh, maybe a, of a conversation that would happen well, like it, that? Really? I mean, Concordia in, in a lot of their kind of Lutheran explanation books that they have out there, it's in the treasury of daily prayer. I'm fairly certain there's a version in the, the reader's edition of the book of Concord, mm-hmm. a couple other places. They have a liturgy yeah. that they use for private confession, absolution, visitation, their book. Uh, yeah, visitation. Um, pastoral care and visitation. It's in, it's in all of those. Um, the the now defunct Pray Now app, I think it's in there somewhere, or if you're a pastor and have the Pastoral Care app, it's in there. It starts with the penitent, the one confessing sin that says, Pastor, please hear my confession in order to declare God's will. And the pastor says, uh, proceed. And then generally you just do the confession yep. of sin <laughs> from the worship service uh, and uh, at that point in time, the pastor explains, or I do it ahead of time when I hear private confession, is like, what we really want to know, are there any sins that are binding your conscience right now? Are there any things that are plaguing you? This is the space to confess those, and they will be forgiven uh, as you are repentant. And so they say, what troubles me in particular is this, this, and this. Uh, and then at the end of it, he says, I am sorry. Uh, I ask for grace or I ask for mercy. Do you say sorry or sorry? Sorry. Okay. Just gotta get that out of my system. Sorry, uh, like what? <laughs> like like an Indian, Indian women garment. wear. Yeah, you guys, yeah. you guys are the North Dakotans here. I gotta tease you a little bit about the. We say sorry, sorry, sorry. Enough, <laughs> Illinois. Enough. Just sorry, I'm stealing sorry. all the yeah. thunder here. Uh, yeah, so we. The, I am sorry. I want to do better. I yeah. ask for grace. I think I'm doing this from my memory. I don't have it in yeah. front of me. I, 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 I'm glad well, you're doing this. Let's just play it out. Yeah. Right. Brett, let's confess okay. your yeah, sin on here. You. We'll do on it live. All right. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, what man. particularly <laughs> is troubling you today? Uh, uh, and then the pastor responds with saying, uh, do you believe that my forgiveness yeah. is God's forgiveness? And they say, yes. And then uh, maybe as you believe on the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ as a called and ordained servant of the word, I declare to you that your sin are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And then at that point in time, I issue a promise of forgiveness from the gospel. I will say, the Bible says that uh, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, so now you have confessed. And so now by the promise and work of God, your sins have been forgiven. They are no more. They belong to Jesus. Go in peace. Mm-hmm. So let me, ask, let me, let me, I don't know if I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. <laughs> With the gospel. Let's yes. play the devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. no. I mean, part of that is in our particular church body, the association, association of free Lutheran congregations, that is an atypical uh, practice, uh, meaning that, I mean, I know that some practice it for sure, uh, but not, not, probably by any stretch of the imagination, the majority. Can something like that, what does that look like in a more general sense? 
or what does it look like in a in a less formal, not more general, but less formal sense? And can believers like to to whom I'm I'm asking your questions, Brett? To whom do the the keys belong? So um, I'll answer that two ways. I want to answer my own questions now, but I'm okay. gonna let you do it. Adam, just pretend that I asked that question. In <laughs> no, <my voice. laughs> no um, but go ahead. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. The part of this, the objection is, you know, the pastor says, "I forgive your sins," and um, who are you to forgive sins? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's only God can forgive sins. So corporately, uh, the explanation is given that the pastor simply doing what Jesus commanded us to do in John 20. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the sin, or if you retain the sins, they are retained, or, you know, depending on what translation you're using. And so the pastor is doing that. Because uh, our tradition coming out of Norwegian Lutheran pietism uh, has not carried some of those traditions from the German side of things with us, and because of the kind of the the permeation of generic American Christianity in society, uh, I actually do an explanation in the absolutions I issue at church corporately. That's the thing I love about this is that it it connects us to something that's happening regularly yep. in the, a worship service or divine service to a pastoral one-on-one type of uh, setting. Yep. So what I say is so that I, you know, people who are not familiar with the more traditional absolution is I will quote a gospel promise, generally Isaiah 118 or Psalm 32. Uh, and then I will say, based on promises like this in the word of God from the mouth of God himself and on the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross in your place, I declare to you that your sins have been forgiven. Yeah. When I was in Pittsburgh, we would say that, you know, regularly as well. And it was, you know, as a minister of the church of Jesus Christ and by his authority, yep. I therefore declare to you who do truly repent and believe in him, the entire forgiveness of all your sins. And that that reminder, I think that's implied when it's just, I forgive your sins. It's implied. It's the shorthand. Yep. I think it's good to explain that because it's like, you know, you know, Christ died for your sins. I'm declaring that I had nothing to do with Christ dying for your sins. In fact, if I did, you'd be in a whole lot of trouble. But, you know, he didn't. And I'm just simply declaring what he's already done and declared. And so, you know, to understand it that way, and I think that's a, a mistake that people make a lot of times is thinking, um, you know, that they have, you know, all of a sudden that that it's, you know, somebody between me and God now. Well, no, but he has given us pastors. He's given us shepherds, and that's laid out there. And he's given those shepherds something to say. And what that is, is your sins are forgiven, you know, uh, or, you know, your sins are not forgiven. You know, if you if you continue in your impenitence and unbelief, your sins are not forgiven you. You know, we are simply declaring what God has told us to do. And as ministers, we do that. Yeah, and the whole point of this goes back to what we talked about last episode when we talked about the gospel is actually the forgiveness of sins. The gospel forgives sins, but the content of the gospel is actually the forgiveness of sins. So when you forgive sins as a pastor, you're just declaring the gospel because you're not pointing to yourself or anything you've done, like you mm-hmm. just said, Adam. You're pointing to the completed work of Christ. Now, the the problem that we run into with a corporate absolution, which is good and necessary and meat right and salutary and all of those other <laughs> adjectives. Uh, the problem yeah, is, yeah. is that us and our sinful nature as individuals, when we hear the corporate gospel applied, we immediately begin the work of disqualifying ourselves. Mm-hmm. As, well, that's mm. for someone more pious. That's not yeah, for me. Sure. God can't forgive me. I'm such a miserable sinner. I mean, any number of objections we have. And so the value of private confession and absolution is that you're there one-on-one with another Christian or more likely with your 
pastor confessor, and you confess your sins, and the pastor puts the word of the gospel into your ears and your ears only so that you can't disqualify yourself from the gospel. Mm. That's why we do that. Now, you also said, what does this look like in a less direct setting, like in generic American Christianity? I don't know that a parallel exists. Yeah, I I wasn't thinking so much outside, you know, of maybe Lutheran circles. Like in our circles? Yeah, I'm thinking in our circles. I, I sit down with students quite a bit, yeah. right? Uh, part of my role as dean of the, uh, the college is to sit down with students, and students will share with me uh, guilt that they have for sins committed, and you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, past and 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 present things. Uh, I have never gone through them. Uh, gone through them with a sword. I, I have or... not gone through them like a running back goes. No, uh, no, <laughs> I, I haven't uh, gone through that order of service with them, um, and and I have not gone through those things. But I have, I have, in an informal sense, said, "Do do you believe that God is is a minister of His gospel? Has given me the ability to declare what He declares? Yeah, then you're forgiven." <laughs> you're, you're confessing this sin to me. You've expressed it as something that you don't want to do. It's something that disgusts you. It's something you, you want forgiveness for. Uh, well, God has forgiven you. And and again, so I, what I'm speaking of is more of the less formal. There are ways in which we have those those conversations with people. And I think it happened. And my point in all of this was I think it happens in our circles more than we think. It probably does. Mm. And, and, and by God's grace, and thankfully it does. Yeah. You know, it's just it's said in such a way. Now the danger is, and we, we are guilty of this, I think within our church body, and certainly, I mean, the church at, at large is guilty of this. The danger comes in qualifying. Yep. You're forgiven uh, yes. if, yep, yep. if, and then all of a sudden you put a conditional on a declared promise of God, then all of a sudden it it, it, it throws the whole baby out with the bathwater and, and it's not good. And Brett, you and I were recently in a setting where this happened. It wasn't in a confession absolution setting, yeah. but it was in a Bible study we were Discussion. in yep, yep. and uh, had an opportunity to point to whatever passage <laughs> we were studying was just pure unadulterated gospel. And <clears throat> one of the other members of the study just dropped a butt right into that you know, but, <laughs> not, but whoa, yuck! But, uh, yeah, uh, and, but as an objection, like we need to make sure that the law yeah. is covered here in all of these things, and that's exactly yeah. the problem: is yeah. that we're qualifying the gospel, and as soon as you qualify the gospel, you're neutering the gospel, and then there's no gospel. Right. It was it was really fun to watch your brain explode in that moment. Oh, I bet I wore it on my face, but uh, we were yeah, kind of you, fighting two different battles yeah. with two different people. <laughs> Jason handled one. it well. No. I uh, I wore it on my face, and I, That's I was what I'm saying. really I wish, angry. I, it, it is kind of fun to watch. I wasn't there, yeah. but I wish I yeah. had been, just to see Jason. That's the whole point, though. Is It's like a boiling tea kettle. Like. Oh, it, it very much so, except I don't whistle. Uh, right. <laughs> I kind of growl a little bit. Uh. You know, it's kind of like when a dog is giving you a second to get stop getting up all up in my business kind of a thing. Uh, but, yeah, we it can be done indirectly. But the less direct we are, the more careful we have to be. And now I will agree that for someone who's not a part of the tradition or hasn't used it, that liturgy can be clunky. At the same time, it's so clear yeah. and it's so direct. It's, yeah. I was going to say, it's, been, it's a blessing to give. It's a blessing to receive and, that. I mean, every time I go through it with someone who's even never done it, not familiar, it's, there's always tears at the end because it's so freeing. Right. And, and, and part of that, part of the beauty of that, and we got to understand what you just said is somebody who hasn't done it before you do it and, it, and there's tears at the end. The danger in in the you know it, the the repetition 
you know, th- there's that balance. And that's part of why, you know, we've in our church, church body, we've, we've been wary of repetition. Yep. Uh, but there is, there's a didactic or teaching, um, there's a didactic element to the repetition. I had a teacher who, and the funny thing is, is I don't remember a lot of things he said in class, but I remember him saying repetition is the key to pedagogy. And he would say that again and again and again and again, because repetition (laughs) is the key to pedagogy. And I learned because he repeated. Um, What we're doing, and this is a side note, but it it ties in with this, because of that order of service that, that a lot of these orders have very clear uh, confessions, you know, the order of service on a, you know, a Sunday morning has a confession of sin, a forgiveness of sins. We've been doing that as a family with devotions. Uh, we've been using like a, a very much a liturgical order of family, like a compline or a, you know, um, a Vespers, uh, those kinds of, of services. And the beauty of it, my kids love it. They're, yeah. uh, they're 11 and 12. Uh, my two-year-old doesn't really care so much for it, but that's <laughs> yeah. just, that's just him. He I, just smiles and is cute. Yeah. He Would doesn't always smile. Rick he yells like, why are you not paying attention to me? I'm the center of the universe. Am I not? <laughs> but no, we've been going through that. And it's like saying the same things and, and repeating it. It gives them something to hang on to. We've talked yeah. about that before, but and I think that there's grooves. something having yep. those same words because I need to hear those when I'm not with you, Jason, confessing my sin. I don't know that you'd be the guy that I would confess my sin to because you're not my pastor. Uh, but at the end of the day, you could, you know, be, be saying those same things in your head, being reminded, even if there isn't a pastor there to hear you, there, there's that reality. My, my sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done. And that liturgy gives you something to hang on to. I normally do this as a pastor, but I have done confession absolution with friends who are like in the middle of something breaking down in their lives. I feel like we did it like a district pastor type of thing. We've done it, Brett. I I mean, but it's just like, you need to hear this and this is the most direct way I can do. And and to your point, repetition, the, the two products of repetition after pedagogy are that it's familiarity. You know what's coming. And it's precise. Mm. The reason why every Trinity Sunday we confess the Athanasian Creed is because we'd stumble and fall all over ourselves to do the same work the Creed is doing with a precise amount of words. You know, Mm. yeah, oh, the the Athanasian Creed is so long, it takes us like five minutes to recite it in church. It's just so terrible. (laughs) Yeah, you want to know what would happen if we tried to do this on our own? It would be ugly and we'd Mm. commit heresy. That's why we have the Athanasian Creed. The same thing goes is like you can confess something off the top of your head yeah. uh, and you can declare forgiveness off the top of your head and it might be fine, but you might keep rambling to the point that you're actually doing damage. And so that, you know, the precision and the familiarity familiar, familiarity mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are both also necessary byproducts of the repetition. Yeah, good. We better get to your thing. I, I was going to say, we got you know, four minutes left in the right, episode. I, I wanted to tease myself about that, uh, but really, the last part of this mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren is probably just a less formal version of what we've been talking about. Yep. Of through sharing of our lives with each other, the one anothering 
In there scripture. it is. Yes. I knew you were going to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what you're trying to, to yeah, say is yeah. just the church being the church. Just be the church. Oh, man, yeah. I'm going to punch you so yeah. hard after this episode. <laughs> I hate that. Be uh, the church, Jason. When the church is the church, then the church church is the churchy things. <laughs> <laughs> what, what this is, yeah. in, in, in to be a little bit more clear, is this is what the priesthood of all believers looks like. Okay. It is the tools of the gospel in the hands of any believer. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, yeah. and this is what keeps us in balance with the office of the ministry. Okay? The office of the ministry and the doctrine that goes with it is good and necessary and right. We have called pastors that are called to do specific things for good order in the church, and the office carries with it the authority of God's word because of the office. At the same time, uh, we are to resist putting the clergy in a separate class of believers like the Roman Catholics did, which is part of what brings about these confessions. And the priesthood of all believers is that the tools of the gospel and the functions of the gospel belong to all of the believers. And so just Mm. like pastors have the right and the privilege and the responsibility to preach the word from a pulpit on Sunday... The believers, we can proclaim God's word to each other as needed. We can apply God's word to each other as needed. Uh, We're we're, we're not going to go around baptizing and, and doing communion as believers, but one, there is a provision for emergency baptisms if needed, and two, that's the application of the assurance of salvation. Yeah, and and that's really cool. You know, I'm thinking right now of our of lay people that listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, the more that you're taking in this sort of content, you're better equipped to have the gospel share, you know, shared in the conversations you have with people. And, and that's uh, really really neat to think about. And this is not just like street evangelism, this is in your yeah. own families like oh, Adam yeah. was saying yep. and, and things like that. What I love about the order Luther gives here is that the sacraments are bracketed by the proclaimed and applied word. <clears throat> hmm. And so hmm. that there's that buffer and, and, you know, the, there's all this talk about, well, we don't need pastors, we, you know, all of those things in the American church. And, and it's utterly wrong. But w- one of the things I heard explained about serving communion and, you know, wanting uh, lay people to be able to do that in, in all of these things is sometimes we, we get so uh, tied up in wanting to serve the meal that we forget that we're the guests of honor at the table. Hmm. And it's just a really interesting application that in a formal worship service, there are specific vocations that happen. In our lives as believers, we still have the power of the gospel available to us. Uh, It might not always look the same, but the gospel has the same function. And, And so that as a believer, you are called in your vocation as Christian to be a forgiver of sins. And we need to remember that that comes with the word. Yeah, really cool stuff. Adam, do you have any anything to add there? No, I don't actually. <laughs> I um I, I started thinking about something and now I, I lost what Jason said. So I'd probably say the same thing Jason said, but only better. better. Yeah. Only better. And yeah. no. More eloquent. <laughs> no, I, I think one of the I think one of the keys and, and this is something I think I because hard on our church body before. And so I, actually to to answer yes, I do. Because uh, I know Jason wouldn't have said this. I think, you know, we're, I've been hard on our church body. I think the positive side of what we've done is the reality of that priesthood of believers. You know, the reality that that exists, that there are things we can do to serve one another um, in, in situations that are, um, 
you know, atypical, but at the same time, very much drawing people back to the, con- pointing people to the congregation. But at the same time, having friends that can say to me, you know, it seems to me Christ died for that too. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's sarcastic yes, and a little yes. backhand, but very, very Midwestern of us. <laughs> backhanded gospel. You know, <laughs> but, but you know, it's, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I've said that to students as well. But I think we do do a good job of understanding that aspect of the priesthood of all believers and what it means to be a priest. Because sometimes we think of that and we kind of take it as a status symbol, right? I'm the priesthood of, you know, it's like, yeah, look at me, I'm a priest, you know, have it like hashtag blessed, you know, chain hashtag around our necks. My own personal ephod. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, with, with the priesthood came responsibility, and that is to be serving one another be be offering the living sacrifices that Paul talks about in Romans 12 and being ser- serving our neighbor in those capacities which again certainly ties back into vocation and priesthood is part of our vocation um in in each of us have that you know that uh, responsibility and that vocation as part of the uh, estate of the church as being priests of God in in various ways now that doesn't mean we all just go start serving communion on the church corner on the street corner but at the same time, yeah. So you asked my two cents. That's what it was. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, Jason. I uh, I'm used to I it. got lost in something else here. So, all right. All yeah, right. that's what I had. Very good. Well, thanks for listening. And next time we'll dive into our Bible study episodes. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary invites you to their 2024 Seminary Symposium on January 17th through the 19th with featured guest Dr. Joel Bierman. Sessions will cover topics related to Christian ethics, including virtue ethics in the church and the rise and fall of Lutheran pietism. Find information about live stream and in-person registration at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.